Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cattleman's Call podcast. Lane Nordland, happy to be with you here today. Thank you for answering the Cattleman's Call. And I think uh, we are in store for a great show here today uh, as we talk with some great advocates in the livestock industry. And uh, this uh, show was taped during the 2020 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show and right after the 5K beef run. <laughs> Um, and, and we had a participant in that as well. But um, I'm just going to quickly introduce our outstanding uh, advocates for agriculture, the 2020 Marketing Ambassadors, actually, for the convention from the state of Missouri. Macy Hurst joins us from California, Kaya Twisselman, and from Kansas originally, now Dallas, Courtney Deha. Thank you for joining us. Well, how's the convention going? Good. My feet hurt. Do y'all's feet hurt? Well, I just ran three and a <laughs> three point one miles, okay, so but I'm feeling good, you guys. Ready to rock and roll. You look great. Thank you. Yeah. I haven't flush. run anywhere in a very long time, but my feet are a little sore, but my heart is full after um, so many days with so many awesome cattle men and women. So it's I been agree. a good week. Great, great. Well, uh, first off, what what are the marketing ambassadors that have been put together to help promote the convention and then come come down here to San Antonio and, and really just be a part of the convention and, and promote uh, the, the goals for cattlemen and women here at the cattle industry event? Yeah, so we had the pleasure of being selected to be um, just three of the team of marketing ambassadors scattered all across the U.S. And it was our job just to help promote the convention and the opportunities that were available for all the cattlemen and women across the country um, and really show them what there is to offer. This really feels to me, I don't know if you guys agree, but like the Super Bowl of the cattle industry. And it was such an honor to be able to promote that and um, just to build up the excitement that comes around for this annual event every year. I agree. And I think it was super cool to finally meet just, you know, everyone at convention has been amazing and you meet so many people, but to meet the other ambassadors because we like ran up to each other, like, you know, we were celebrities like, oh my gosh, I know you, but I don't really know you. So it's been really cool to finally get to connect with you girls because you're such great advocates for the industry. So it's nice to, to finally meet them in person and hopefully continue. I would say we will continue, you know, these relationships. I mean, I consider y'all friends. I don't know. They're yeah, like, well, never talking to Courtney again. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It's been really fun to learn from each of y'all and the other ambassadors just because we do have such diverse backgrounds and uh, we advocate in such different styles and so um, learning from you all and kind of watching your journeys as I've kind of shaped mine has been a lot of fun and I do look forward to following following you all and our other ambassadors as well but also the people in our regions um, I've got to connect with a lot of those people through social media um, especially the the staffs and the boards for our uh, state affiliates and our councils and so that's been a lot of fun seeing those people that are leaders in, in their states and their industries and kind of learning from them as well in this process. No, I, I, I think uh, I, I think this conversation is really in the center, of course, on that advocacy uh, from those different regions. And I, I just want to back up just a little bit so we can each learn more about you. Because yeah, I think that that is a great way how we can really continue on learning more about you and how maybe our listeners can, can pick up some of those suggestions that you have on how to become uh, better advocates for the industry. So, Macy, I'll start with you. Uh, let's tell, tell a little more about your background and uh, what, what you hope to accomplish here, not only at convention, but uh, down the road as well. Yeah, so I'm a very recent graduate of Missouri State University in Southwest Missouri, where I obtained a degree in agricultural communications, a degree in agriculture, business, marketing, and sales, and a minor in Spanish. So um, my background with cattle started as a born and raised cattle farmer on um, a, a commercial cow-calf operation in Mid-Missouri. 
Um, a couple years ago, my mom and my sister and I started a business called Lady Livestock Company, where we do registered Black Angus cattle um, with breeding stock and direct-to-consumer beef sales. So that's been a really big passion of mine that's really just um, reinforced that passion for the cattle industry and really made me want to fight for it and um, help people become more comfortable with it. So that's where my advocacy comes in, in terms of marketing and communications. Um, so my biggest tool I found is social media, and um, I hated it when it first came out. Um, my generation was raised with social media, but it's such an easy tool to leverage to reach the masses. And um, I love that, especially the people around this table right now, we have such a, a broad group of people we can reach, you know, um, those millennial moms, those those 25 to 40-year-old women that are making those buying decisions, you know, they look like us, they have lives like us, and they want to hear from us. And so I think that's a really neat opportunity we have. Courtney, I'll turn to you now a little bit about your background. A lot of folks, of course, know you also on social media, but uh, talk about uh, growing up in Kansas and now uh, being here in, in Texas as well. Yeah, so I grew up, my mom and dad, we had a small cow-calf operation. My grandparents run have a large cow-calf operation in the Flint Hills of Kansas. And, you know, we sort of just grew up ingrained in the industry. You know, I'm one, two, three, third, three, fourth generation uh, rancher. And I also grew up showing Angus cattle all over the country. So we were we were big in the Angus Association. And we also had the blessing of rodeoing as well. So we got to do the, the rodeo side of things and show cattle. Um, I went to Oklahoma State on a rodeo scholarship. I was on the rodeo team there is sort of how I ended up at OSU. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I went, well, I did. I went to rodeo. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, I'll get an education as well. I was an ag comm major. And I liked it, but I didn't really still know what I wanted to do. And I actually interned at a TV station as part of my curriculum at Oklahoma State. And that was that. I'd never wanted to do anything else. And I was so blessed because at TV station, I just wanted to be on TV. I thought that would be cool. And he said, yeah, you can be on TV. That'll be great. But I'm going to teach you how to do all the other things. I'm going to teach you how to be a great storyteller. I'm going to teach you how to do graphics, run the prompter, everything. And so he really helped mold um, my career. And you know, eventually, the trouble with TV is it's in big cities, so you, you don't necessarily get to take your horses or your cattle, so I sort of had to step out of that world um, to pursue my TV career, and I, I really loved it, and for a long time, I sort of, I didn't really talk about the rural industry, and I didn't really talk about where I came from, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, as a young, younger, you know, 20-something, I thought, oh man, my agents, the, the big dogs in New York and LA are not going to take me seriously if they know where I came from. Um, now that I'm older and wiser, I realize it's the exact opposite. It's what makes me unique. It's what sets me apart. And I've really had this unique perspective because I'm living in these big cities. I'm working with people in, you know, the New York's, the L.A.'s, the landing states, and they don't know anything about us. They, they don't know anything about where their food comes from necessarily. They don't know anything about who we are, and it's not their faults. Quite frankly, I think it's ours because we're not telling our story. And so I've really sort of tried to start telling stories just on my Facebook page. Like, I didn't have a camera crew. I didn't have a production team. You know, I didn't have funding to make a documentary. Not yet. Maybe someday down the road. But I started telling rancher stories on, on my Facebook and, you know, they sort of caught on and that really was a wake up moment for me that, hey, people really do want to know and they really do want to hear our stories. And um, it was all sort of born. I was working at a national news network in Dallas and they were always harping on us. Hey, bring us stories that nobody else is talking about. Bring us national news stories that, you know, ABC, NBC is not talking about. And there were wildfires in Kansas that were really ravaging farms and ranches. And I said, hey, here's a major story that's going to affect the food supply, you know, and they sort of blew me off. 
And so I told the story on my Facebook and, you know, in one night it had over a million views. And that was just such a moment, great moment for me, not because the video went viral, but because it really opened my eyes that, hey, we've got to tell our story in any way that we can. So that's sort of how my platform was born. Great. Well, it's a great story. And, uh, you know what I love about this? I'm not going to have to talk too much. <laughs> and I'm, that's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be, be, be crude or anything because I think you all have such a great story to tell here. And that's why I, I, that's why I love hosting this podcast because we have so many different backgrounds. And, uh, and actually, we're spread out in this conversation, which is really great. Uh, uh, Kaya, for yourself, uh, let's talk about, uh, about your background and uh, how, how you made it here to the cattle convention this year. Sure. So um, I grew up on a cattle ranch in... In, on the central coast of California. And I feel like, you know what's funny at convention is that when you meet people and you tell them you're from California, even people within our industry are like, oh, like they have cattle in California. I'm like, excuse me, yes, we do. Um, I feel like a lot of people imagine that I come from like LA or San Francisco or like grew up surfing to school. You know, that was not me, that was my mom. But um, I grew up in very rural California, an hour from the nearest gas station, grocery store, like anything. But my family's been ranching there now for seven generations. And uh, I grew up in the Agony industry kind of like you Courtney I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do and I thought I wanted to be a nurse I went to school at UC Davis thankfully I picked an ag school because I took a, a chemistry class and I realized very fast nursing was not for me nobody wants me to do anything medical on them I'll tell you that for free um, but I went to an ag school and I realized all at UC Davis all of my extracurriculars were animal science classes and I was like man you know I thought I was gonna go away from the ag industry but my passion is is so much there um, and after I graduated from Davis I moved to Germany for a year and and lived there for a year doing a cultural ambassadorship program and while I was abroad, I was like, okay, when I get back, I better have a job lined up because all that travel is expensive. Um, and I saw an opportunity on LinkedIn that NCBA had actually posted for a job at the Kentucky Beef Council. And I was like, all right, Kentucky, I think they speak English there. That's easier than Germany. I'm all about beef. Let's do it. And so I interviewed for that job from a hostel room in Berlin. And it was a Skype interview. And um, they offered me the job. I flew back to the States, pit stopped in Lexington for my in-person interview. They hired me, went home for my county fair because y'all know what's important to us in the cattle industry, right? The county fairs are very important. Um, and then I moved to Kentucky and took the position as the director of consumer affairs, which was amazing because my two greatest passions in this world are people and agriculture and having the opportunity to be that bridge that connects our producers to our consumers was so much fun um, and I was in Kentucky working for the checkoff for about three and a half years before moving back home to California just last year to be close to home and close to my family and uh, I now own my own marketing business which has been amazing because I'm able to do logo design graphic design illustration for farms and ranches all over the United States and um, I've found that I think that my specialty within our industry isn't necessarily in the production piece. My heart is still there, but I think my skill set is more in the communication side of things. And uh, a little bit of what was unexpected this last year was um, I embarked on, besides my entrepreneurial journey, my health journey as well. And in the last, a little over a year, I've lost 120 pounds. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And so what's been really cool about it is that because of that, again, unexpected, now I am a life coach and a weight loss coach. And most of my clients are from all over the country. And they're all, most for the most part, rural women in agriculture. And that was a place in the industry that I never knew I would have a spot in is how can I inspire other women to love themselves to health and happiness. And um, it's been a really cool experience. And also given me the opportunity to feel more 
feel more confident advocating for a part of the industry that I wasn't always confident advocating for before. When I was in Kentucky, one of the programs I was in charge of was the nutrition program. And I always felt so ridiculous standing up in front of people and saying, beef is great in a heart healthy diet when I wasn't really a vision of health. And so for me to be able to do this journey and to be able to share how beef has played such a huge role in my health journey has just given me I'm just have so much more pride in our industry and the ability to say like, Hey, I can say this confidently. Like you can eat beef absolutely and live your happiest, healthiest life. And, um, I'm just so excited to share that story with others. As well, that's well. really inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I've teared up on this podcast Whoa, multiple I'm, times with like, some cry. of the stories. So, uh, that could happen here today, but actually I want to jump back at, uh, you, you talked about your, your time over in Europe. Yeah. Um, what was, what was your experience with, uh, maybe the Europeans that you uh, interacted with on their, knowledge of food mm -hmm. and also maybe their perception of U.S. agriculture and their fear of U.S. agricultural products. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because my host family, I love them so much. I live with two different host families. My second host family that I live with for 10 months random side note it was just by pure coincidence the reason they had an opening in their house to welcome a host student was because their son was studying abroad at uc davis like what are the odds of that so crazy but my host mom um, we were really close and i remember one night we were watching the news and i think it was talking about gmos and she was like oh my gosh gmos and i was like actually i'm like very supportive of gmos and she was baffled and I was like surprised that she was baffled and it, it like you said there is a fear of U.S. agriculture and one of the things that I thought was fascinating was going into the grocery stores in Europe and looking at the food labels you know with my very poor German but one of the labels that you'd see on things was like on a package of chicken one of their marketing claims was slow growing chicken and I was like what on earth because to me you know I see that I'm like that's inefficient. Like we're probably using, you know, more natural resources. Like how is this sustainable? And it's just, there's totally a different perception there. And there is that fear base, um, behind the food supply. So it was super, super eye opening over there. But, um, you know, I feel like that also gives me more pride in, in that U S agriculture has such an amazing story to share. And we should be so proud of, you know, where we've come, where we're at now in the technology and, and how we're becoming more and more sustainable all the time. And, um, not just sharing that here locally, but also internationally, especially with our export markets and new opportunities in the EU. So um, it was it was very eye-opening for sure. No, that's, that's great insight. And I do want to point out that all three of you have your moms here with you. <laughs> we got our hype team, so our paparazzi crew. I, I hope my mom isn't listening because I, I know she gets jealous when I travel all the time. And, and she'll be like, why didn't I get to go? All the other moms are there. But I uh, want to thank the moms for being here. Thanks, mom. Of course, Thanks, mom. That, that's, that's your strong foundation in the industry, though, it too. It is. But uh, as, w as we look um, uh, towards maybe uh, what, what really sparked your interest in becoming a marketing ambassador? Who wants to go? Okay, I'll go. Um, I think I sort of saw, I, I don't even know how, I think actually she's, I can see her giving me eyes. It was my mom who, who, who saw, you know, the application. Yeah, she's going, make sure I get credit in the background. Um, she, she had maybe forwarded it to me and we, you know, my grandparents have been NCBA members for, you know, 20, 30 years. And so, you know, they've been intimately involved and intimately involved in the Kansas Livestock Association. And, I just, again, because I live in, you know, sort of a major city, I'm, I'm working with people who are not directly involved with agriculture. This is just a great opportunity for me to finally get to, like, really connect with my people. You know, I do speaking events and things throughout the year, and so I get to meet people, but it's just been amazing. It, it, just as we walked in, someone from, I think, Arizona walked up and said, oh my gosh, I follow you. It's so nice to finally meet you. But that's just... 
not necessarily a pride thing, but it just makes me, it's reassuring to me to know that people are watching and people do want to hear our stories and people appreciate what we as ambassadors, you know, are doing for this industry because we do have such unique perspectives. And, you know, just looking at the, all of us, I suppose at this table, you know, we're more on that millennial, that younger generation, you know, we're not my grandpa, my, my pappy. So we ha we're bringing different views and things to the table, but yeah, this ambassador's program has just been, it's been so fun to get to just network for me with people that I never run into in my, in my daily job, just because, you know, I'm in an industry that, isn't intimately involved in agriculture on a day-to-day -day basis. So for me, I uh, this is my fourth consecutive NCBA convention, and it's always the highlight of my year. Um, when I was in Phoenix, I was interning as a convention intern for NCBA, and during that time, I met um, Taryn and Tom Driesling, and who are very well known uh, around this uh, the cattle people, and. Um, I got to talking to them and uh, just talking about their ranch there in Nebraska and um, hearing and learning about them. And of course, I had to follow Taryn. And um, it was so cool to see her be so passionate about her storytelling and so forward and honest and transparent about her family and her marriage and her farm and everything um, around their lifestyle. And then, of course, I saw her um, as a marketing ambassador in that light, too. And so um, that kind of inspired me. Of course, my story is a little different, um, but it really got me excited to um, be able to tell that part of the story, too. Not only the farming and the agriculture story, um, but the, the story of CattleCon and how important it is to reach out to those people in your industry and to make those connections and to use each other's resources and to learn and to, you know, have a little fun along the way. And so um, I was just really excited to have that opportunity to uh, be a part of that, um, this Super Bowl of, of um, the cattle industry, like Kaya said. So um, I was really excited to, like I said, social media is um, my, really my media for everything. Um, that's my platform. And um, as, a, as a journalist and also as a, a speaker, a traveling speaker, I feel like I kind of had that platform and I wanted to be able to use it um, to promote, again, my favorite event of the year. So I first learned about the Marketing Ambassador Program when I was working for the checkoff in Kentucky, and I wasn't allowed to apply because I was staff, but I had the opportunity to come and experience convention for the first time while while with Kentucky. And, um, you know, this last year after not working for the checkoff, I had to figure out a way to come back because this is just, I mean, I love this event, and there's so much opportunity to learn and network, but my favorite thing is the people. I mean, we have got the best people in our industry, and it always feels like a big, happy family reunion, and I loved that. And so um, I definitely took advantage of the opportunity to apply for the marketing ambassador program and it also gave me a way you know moving back home to my um, home county in California after being gone for five years it was my way to also connect with my local producers and to share the amazing opportunities that were available for them on the national level as well. So what were, were the responsibilities pre-convention then here at convention? Well we obviously they asked us to utilize our social media platforms and I think that's largely was a part of the reason that you know we were chosen because we all have different platforms with different you know I think we each have different followers and different types of people and they just asked us to you know promote in CBA and and for me it was so interesting because I do have this large ag following but I also have this whole world of you know people I've met at New York Fashion Week and people I've met working in TV who are like, okay, what is this? Is this like a cow convention? Like, are there cows there? And it's sort of like, you sort of smirk, but I've sort of had to take a step back and realize you can't, I can't make fun of these people because it's my job to teach them. Like, it's my job to, to explain to them what the National Cattlemen's Beef Association is. And like, did you know that like we send people to Washington to like help, you know, change policy and, and fight for us. And it's just, for me, it was really cool because 
people are genuinely interested. People that I never in a million years, you know, I'm posting things all throughout the convention and people are responding, you know, from former co-hosts to people I've met, you know, doing who knows what in the entertainment industry. I think that we sometimes in our industry, and I really have seen this because I've been able to sort of step back and see, be in both worlds, we sort of blow it off sometimes. And I think that we sort of, like when people say, cow instead of cattle we're like oh you don't know anything obviously you know leave me alone this has really been such a great opportunity as an ambassador to see that these people really they want to know what we have to say and they want to they want to know how their food is being produced and you know just because they don't understand just because they think you know all of our cattle are in confinement their entire life I, you can't be mean or make fun of them. So for an ambassadorship for me, it was really great to sort of promote it and then answer questions, you know, even questions that we as producers think are silly. They're not silly because that's how we get our story out. And that's how we change the narrative in the media. You know, I'm so in tune with the media and quite frankly, farmers and ranchers are a little ticked off at the way our story is being told. But what I always tell them, whether they want to hear it or not, is if you're not willing to share it, you don't get to complain about the way that our narrative is being shared in the media. So this ambassadorship has just been a great way to sort of talk about the NCBA and talk about what our producers do are doing and what their day-to-day -day looks like for me with people who had never really been engaged with my ag stuff before. For me, whenever I started this ambassador journey, I was still a senior in college, and so um, my at my university, Missouri State University in Springfield, we were actually the first collegiate affiliate of the Missouri Cattlemen's Association, and so it was kind of neat to, um, I came in right after that, that program was started and a lot of other universities followed, and so a lot of those people were just kind of getting involved a little bit and I knew that if they just had that little push that they would take that step to register for this grand convention and just really fall in love with the industry with the association and really want to become more involved and do more so that's kind of where my platform was was really with those college students and um, having this this convention having been my fourth I had a lot of connections with the college students that I'd met at previous conventions and so reaching out to them and connecting with them and um, you know whether it was that $50 off code that they got or um, just having somebody that they felt like you could ask questions um, with it was just it was really nice to be kind of a resource for them but also just to push them and say you know what I know you're close and I promise you won't regret it um, but again with the storytelling um, I totally agree with you, Courtney. Um, as a writer, I find that sometimes people are really scared, and it's I think it's that transparency. You know, not only is this a career, but it's a livelihood, and and um, it's quite simply, if you're not there to be that person to tell that story and answer those questions, somebody else who may not have that background will. And I hate, I hate, hate, hate the word uneducated in um, ad advocacy and agriculture because the people we're talking to are educated. Most of them are very educated. They're just educated in different fields, and so it's important that like you said we treat them and we respect them the way that you know we would our fellow cattle producers because they want to know they want to learn and we have to give them that opportunity too so it was really cool to be that not only for college students but reaching out to the others like I said the staff and board um, I interned for the Missouri Beef Industry Council I was beef queen and do some event coverage for the Missouri Cattlemen's Association and so having those connections and them being able to reach out to their counterparts in the states in my region that was a lot of fun and um, again, building those resources and having those relationships to leverage in the future for the, for the growth of our industry has been an incredible journey. 
Macy, I really wish that you had a crown and a sash with you. I just like, I'm really sad. Can we make that happen? I know, Brittany? right? <laughs> I retired I'll take that one long too. ago. I just, I've never, I'm, I'm sad I've never held the title Beef Queen, but I might be a self proclaimed Beef Queen. I'm, I'm letting it be known right now. I am a Beef Queen. I'm going to join the crew. Um, yeah, I would just like to echo what the what the girls said. It's been awesome, and it's been so cool to connect um, opportunities with our local cattlemen. It's been cool to share and and go to different local events too, and, and talk about convention. Um, just another side note was as one opportunity as an ambassador, um, if you get a certain level of points or help promote um, the convention, you can earn a guest registration. And so one of the coolest things was that um, I got to treat my mom to her first NCBA convention for Christmas. She got to come to San Antonio with me, which has been so cool. Cause like even, even just advocating for this convention to my own family, that's never had the opportunity to do it has been really awesome. Um, and I love what you guys are talking about the, cons- about the consumers and Courtney, how you were saying, you know, people like there's a whole cow convention and what I love is when I worked for the Kentucky Beef Council um, most of my friends I wasn't an ag major and so most of my my friends from college you know they are from San Diego from LA from San Francisco the people that were in my Germany program with me they're from New York like the big cities and so I remember when they were like what is a beef council like they were imagining me sitting up on this stage with a gavel and as the beef queen yeah as the beef queen (laughs) with these cows going by and I'm like judging them I'm like not quite that sounds fabulous but no um so so true and i think it's so important for us too to remember as producers that um yeah we've got to tell our story but it's also like these consumers like they're our bosses we have 7.6 billion bosses and they're the ones that dictate how we do our business every single day and so we've got to validate their concerns right and we've got to we've got to be able to share that story and be transparent about it for sure so so macy you were the in the history of the program right in recruiting people to come to convention. How many people did you recruit to come to the cattle convention? Last I heard, which was, oh, I don't know, a month ago, they said 42 people had used my registration code. So, um, yeah, that was really exciting, really flattering. I have not that many followers on social media. (laughs) So it was really cool to see that people were, you know, really supporting NCBA and excited to um, kind of go along that journey with me and it was so cool to go to my, um, you know, the Missouri Cattle Industry Convention and to conventions really all across the Midwest and people walk up to me, people I'd never even met and say, hey, thanks for that discount. I used your code. And so that was really exciting to see that people were excited about what was to come um, here in San Antonio. And um, I'm excited, too, for the future. Just, you know, once those people come down here once, um, my mother is also a first timer. And I think we're convinced next year we're bringing my siblings and the grandparents and everybody's coming. And so once they get down here, they fall in love with it and they realize how important it is for them as producers and as um, members of the cattle community to really be a part of this. So I was excited to, to be a part of that for them. I, I'm pretty disappointed in how lazy men are becoming. And this is, no, seriously. Tell I, us I, more. No, this is, I, I think that we've seen such uh, a movement uh, within the the uh, within the ladies in the agriculture industry to tell the story. And I think uh, the men need to step up and help tell that story as well because um, there's no men in masters. I think that uh, I, you guys do such an outstanding job, but I think we need to shame some of these men out there that <laughs> to step up and help tell that story as well. Yeah. So, and I think things are changing for the positive. Obviously, we have uh, Jennifer Houston is uh, she just served the past year as president of the NCBA. What? How does that make you feel? And and uh, being an advocate 
for the industry, knowing that women are having a strong role in that too. And you get to see uh, Jennifer retire here today at the convention. Yeah, you know, it's exciting. Um, we actually had a conversation as ambassadors at our initial dinner that was really sort of eye-opening and interesting for me. And I'll go to that in a minute. I watched, one of the coolest things I've done at NCBA so far is the Cattle First documentary. So my mom and I went and watched it. And there was, it, it was phenomenal, but there was such a pivotal line within the Flying Diamond that, that, that they said, and they said, we've always had an advantage because we've always valued our women. And it just really, I thought, man, and, and when they said valued their women, it wasn't the wife in the house taking care of the kids while the men were branding. She was on a horse. She was dragging calves. She was, you know, doctoring. She was doing the medicine. And, and that was just such an eye-opening thing. But then, if you girls remember, at our ambassador dinner, we sort of were going around the table and we were talking about our experiences growing up. And we all sort of had different reactions to how the men, the ranchers, and our family, like how we were sort of perceived. You know, I sort of grew up not really knowing any better, not knowing mm -hmm. that I was a female, that maybe I shouldn't necessarily get all of the opportunities because, yeah. you know, my dad and, and my grandpa who runs the ranch, we sort of just were expected to do those things. But I will say when I got into television and, it, you know, the Me Too movement was born within the entertainment industry for a reason. And I will say this as a female in the entertainment industry, it hasn't gotten a whole lot better. And I think we see a little bit of that maybe within the agriculture industry as well. And you girls are shaking your head and we had this conversation. I want you guys to expand on your stories as well at dinner. But sort of my experience growing up in ag with these wonderful mentors, these men who just like really believed we could do everything. That wasn't the experience for some women within this industry, which really sort of was like a knife to my heart. But then the more I sort of talked with like my mom and talked about how great my grandpa was and all of this, we sort of then got to thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe we did have a little of that. We just didn't realize it. But, you know, to see Jennifer and to just see women really having this moment, of course, it's exciting. And of course, it's empowering. But you nailed it when you said we need the men, too. The men are just as crucial to telling this story as the women are. And, and quite frankly, whether we want to admit it or not, the men, the traditional, what, the stereotypical cowboy, we need them. Because that's what people think of when they think of the beef industry and the food industry. And, you know, the women are coming in and we're really, we're changing the message and we're changing the narrative. But we need the men. And it's the men who sort of, I don't have time. I'm not going to let some news station onto my ranch. I'm not, I'm not going to a TV station. You know, we sort of, my grandpa, we just put a camera in his face and force him to talk. But, you know, he can't get away from me because I'm a journalist and I have a camera. But that's what I always, always harp on men, especially. I said, you have to help us. The women can't do this alone. We cannot tell this narrative alone. And you're such a crucial crucial part of it and yeah there I don't I don't even did, did any men apply to be ambassadors so not very many yeah okay so I thought that was really funny that you mentioned that too men are lazy um I I uh, particularly with social media I think it's just a lot easier for women you know stereotypically we're very social people we really like to talk and share and sometimes overshare and social media makes that really easy for us to do um especially when it's something we're so passionate about like the cattle industry but yeah, Courtney uh, mentioned that that really interesting conversation we had at dinner the first night, and um, we found out that our stories were a little different. I grew up in a family where women were not supposed to be on the farm, and I knew from a, a very young age that that's exactly what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be, and so um, it was really it was really hard for me for a long time 
I got passed over for a lot of things because there were men in my family who, although they were younger, they were men. And so, um, it was really interesting, that process. Um, and now uh, it's been kind of nice and freeing um, to an extent because my mom and my younger sister and I own our operation. It's just us three women. Um, we treat the cattle how we want to treat them, and we make the decisions, the business and, and herd management decisions that we want to make. And so that's really cool that we have that that autonomy over, over our ranch. Um, and we have some incredibly, incredibly, incredibly supportive men in our lives um, as far as our neighbors and our friends um, but there are also those people those equipment dealers and there's those truck salesmen that I don't know how many times they ask me where my father or my husband is before I tell them you know this is this is something we're buying for us and so that has been a really interesting experience um, again with my family my grandpa born in the late 30s still to this day does not possibly believe I could drive a pickup truck um, <laughs> so it's it's kind of a learning curve to you know navigate those conversations and um, with people in and outside of the family, in and outside of the industry. Um, but Courtney, again, you were totally right in that, you know, a lot of the people who are making the buying decisions are about our age. Um, you know, a lot of them are, are starting their families and they're trying to decipher what direction they want to go with nutrition and whether it's um, GMOs or organic or whatever those labels might say. But at the same time, you know, those those people who have been in the industry for so long, a lot of people trust them. Um, the the women, the you know, the farmers' wives, the ranchers' wives, the people who were totally fine supporting them, um, you know, back when they when their husbands were running the farm and they were raising their families or um, whatever their situation might be, you know, those people have a lot to add to the to the agriculture narrative. And I think it's really important that um, whether it is shoving that camera in your grandpa's face or if it's, you know, reaching out to that person um, standing over the meat counter trying to make that decision, it's really important that each of us put in that piece of the story because it's our story is going to have holes if we don't all contribute to it. And so um, that's, that's a, I mean, men and women both. <laughs> Yeah, you guys made some really good points, and it was such an interesting conversation we had the other night. And one thing that I'll say, and, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but something that I've observed about our industry is I think it's also like generational culture differences, you know. And um, and I say that also knowing that my grandma is one of the strongest women that I've ever met, and she is like. I don't want to cuss, but she is bad. A let me say that. And Wait, this is an FCC regulated, so you can <laughs> okay, say whatever okay. you want. She's a badass. I'm just gonna say my grandma's a badass, and um, she raised eight kids on the ranch. Which Lord, I don't know how she did it, but um, you know she was. But but that, that generation and what was interesting too, going to Kentucky and you know there's cultural differences California to Kentucky as well. But a lot of those older women, you know, they still consider themselves to be farm wives, and I'm like, ladies. Like you are just as much of a farmer as your husband is. Like, don't discount yourself. And and I don't know if you guys have observed the same thing, but I almost feel like it's a generational thing. And I think, you know, in our generation coming up, I think it's changing a little bit. And we're realizing, like, hey, this is, like, a husband and wife team. Or it's just, like, a me and my sister and my mom team. Like, we are just as much the rancher or the farmer as, as the men in the family are. And I think that that's, that's going to change a lot as our generation comes up in our industry as well. We can keep talking about this if you want. Well, we have a lot to say. Have you noticed? So <laughs> That's why I love. I think this is this is an awesome conversation. So I want to bring up. Uh, so we talk about men and women. One of the things that I really struggle with within the agriculture industry. So we've got you know the sort of like not ne not men versus women, but you know you have this conversation of the women and the men. The thing that drives me nuts is that we work in sectors. We've got the beef industry, we've got the chicken industry, you've got the pork people. We're all doing our own different things, even within the beef industry. I will not name names, but there's NCBA. There's other organizations that are 
stirring, doing whatever they're doing. That's so frustrating to me because here's the thing. If we do not work together, we are never going to get anything accomplished. We're 20 years behind in telling this story. And as someone who works in network level television and within the media, we are so far behind. And those people that I'm sitting in news stations with are sitting back and they're going, okay, we've got this National Cattlemen's Beef Association. You've got this group. You've got, first of all, they don't know who to listen to. Second of all, they're sitting back and thinking, wow, it's a lot like Washington. All they're doing is arguing amongst themselves. So why would we believe any of what any of those groups are saying? And I know this will probably never happen. We're not all going to just come together and work together. I know that's far-fetched, but I just encourage people, you know, who are listening to this podcast, take a step back and remember that we're doing this for the greater good of agriculture. It's not just the NCBA or the chicken people or the beef people or the farmers or the organic or the grass fed or the corn fed. I get so frustrated when I, and it happens a lot on my social media, I'll post something. The comment, it's embarrassing. When I see the conversations that farmers and ranchers are having amongst themselves on my social media page that has, you know, it's not huge, not millions, but several thousand people watching and reading, it's embarrassing and it's a disservice to our industry. And I just want to write really bad words back to them on my, in, on my Facebook. But I've learned that you can't do that because that's not professional. But I just, I really encourage, you know, people who are listening, man, we've got to start working together as a whole. Are you reading my chicken scratch over here? No, yeah. I can't read that. Look at that. <laughs> but uh, my, my question was going to be is how do we fix these divides in, in agriculture? Uh, Macy, Kaya, do you want to chime in on there? I, I mean, this is why I'm loving this conversation. I, I don't have to lead anything here. This is this is one of the best ones we've had so far. Yeah, Brittany's giving me the head shake, so. I think it's got to start. I mean, whether we're talking about the divide in agriculture, whether we're talking about the divide in politics, I mean, the divide in our nation, I think it's got to start with listening and not listening while while actively trying to think about a rebuttal back, but actually listening and validating other people's concerns and hearing where they're coming from. And, and to your point, Courtney, like we're all on the same team here. Like we're all on the same team. And it's going to take all kinds of kinds. It's going to take all kinds of kinds to feed the world in the beef industry, outside of the beef industry. It's going to take all kinds of kinds to come up with solutions and have different perspectives. And I think we all have something that's really great that comes to the table. We just keep putting ourselves on one end of the spectrum or the other, and we're not meeting ourselves in the middle finding common ground and really appreciating other people's perspectives. Instead, we're getting really defensive about it and we're just creating more turmoil and making it even more, you know, polarized than it even is already. Yeah, I think an important thing to keep in mind when it comes to advocating for agriculture, particularly in the beef and the, the um, meat animal industry, is we have too big of a task to, to split our resources um, when it comes to fighting for our story. And I think a lot of us have different means of raising our, our animals or processing, or maybe we prefer a particular breed, but the fact of the matter is these, these varieties, they're not wrong, they're just different. And so we really need to remember that we need to put our biases aside when it comes to how we want these things raised, where we want them to be from, whatever it might be. And just remember that we have the same goal, and that is to help our consumers understand and be more comfortable with what we do as um, livestock producers and and when it comes to really meeting those people where they're at that's exactly what we have to do whether it's the economic 
terms of agriculture or maybe it's the moral terms, whatever that is, we have to be able to meet them where they are and be a part of that conversation in a way that they want to listen to us in a way that they know we care about them. Um, one of our fellow ambassadors actually said the other night at dinner, whether it's Jesus or steak you're talking about, they don't care what you know until they until you love them. And so if they don't think that we care about who they are as people, that we care about their children, what they're putting on their family's plates, they're not going to listen to anything we have to say about the economics or what our, what our industry is doing to the climate or how it's contributing to the economy. They don't care if they think we don't care about them. And so um, making sure they know that we hear you and we want you to know that we really are doing this for you just and your kids just as much as we are for us and our kids i think we need to put that whether it's jesus or steak on a t-shirt i'm ready i'm ready for it for sure kendall watley thank you for that quote (laughs) i love it he's like please stop you can cut my mic at any point I was going to say, nah. I just wanted to, I want to add to that because this is something that I've experienced personally. But then again, we talked about this as a group of ambassadors and I was looking at our fingernails, something as stupid as fingernails. We as an agriculture industry have to stop writing people off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, <laughs> very nice. Um, we have to stop writing people off and not taking people seriously and listening to people that look different that come from different backgrounds and I told these girls this story um, at dinner I think you know I lived in New York for a while and I had this big ag following on my Facebook and I I love New York City it's a it's such a cool city and it's my favorite city in the world and I posted a picture of me like in the subway I got messages from people within the agriculture industry that said things like wow how could you? We thought you were like a real cowgirl. I guess you fooled us. People were messaging me things like, how dare you? We're unfollowing you. You're no longer like a voice for agriculture if you think a city like that is worth living in. We have got to stop doing that. And we have to stop writing people off just because they look different. And we were talking about like fingernails. One of the girls said, yeah, I was going to get mine done, but I didn't get them done before I came to NCBA because I knew that the men wouldn't take me seriously if I had pretty fingernails. Like get out of town. I can rope with these fingernails. I can outride you with these fingernails. You know, it's things like that that are so stupid and trivial, but it does make a difference, especially I feel like as you know, women. And I'd be interested to see, because we've given you no airtime. So I'm going to ask, no, I'm just going to take over this podcast no, and fine. ask you a question now. Yeah, yeah. Do you, have you experienced this at all being a male within the industry? I've experienced being ag media within the industry, even though um, I probably have more cows than some of the people that have made comments about it because uh, there's a distrust of media. And uh, again, I'm, I'm in newsrooms every single day. Um, again, we focus on five minutes in the morning, five minutes at noon, and we have primetime segments that are farm and ranch news. And I, I, I'd say that's, that's one of the things, but it's, it's a mistrusting the media. It's probably one of the biggest ones that I've had. But then when they figure out that, uh, that oh, this guy actually knows what he's talking about and that uh, he he is a part of the industry. He just has to make a living elsewhere. I, I think that's one of the things, though, too. But I, I think that's a very valid point. And, and uh, I, I, last year I got made fun of for wearing tennis shoes around the dang uh, – uh, trade show. It, my favorite I did, I did. I did buy these fancy looking oh, boat shoes, but they're ropers. So, but uh, no, I, I think that's a very good point that you bring up because mm-hmm. it. Well, Stephen, who was here uh, shooting some video promo video for us uh, right when we first started, that's his livelihood. He is in production, and I think it was last year he was trying to go to an event and they wouldn't let him in because they thought he was a protester. 
He's got the man bun. You can't hate on him for the man hey, bun. Hey, we need man buns. We need them all. Can I rock the man bun? No. But Stephen can, and he does a great uh, great job promoting the convention in our industry. But yet, there were some people that would not let him in the doors, even though he probably had his media passes. They wouldn't let him in because they thought he was a protester. I think that that's interesting, too, because, you know, like Courtney's saying, we can't, we can't tell, like, not invite people in or, or judge them because of the way they look because I think agriculture needs more people that don't come from an ag background. They offer such a unique perspective, especially, you know, coming from the marketing side is that if you grew up in agriculture, it's hard for you to remove yourself from it and from the knowledge you have about it to really create a story that's easy to understand. But when you bring in people that didn't grow up in agriculture to help market agriculture, they're able to say like, hey, I don't understand this. If I don't understand this, the general consumer doesn't either. And so I think it's important for us as an industry to get along, but I think it's also important for us as an industry to also embrace people outside of agriculture to help us share our story because we need that outside perspective for sure. So um, my mom and my sister and I uh, at Lady Livestock Company had kind of a unique experience. Uh, Just a couple months ago, the Missouri Beef Industry Council called me and they said, hey, uh, we have a proposal. Would you mind hosting a social media influencer at your your farm or ranch in Missouri? They're farms. I know other places are ranches, but um, so at our ranch in mid-Missouri, we hosted um, this super sweet girl named Stephanie. um, Diary of a Debutante is is her blog and she came out and we spent about an hour with her and her fiance and they just came around and they fed our cattle and they pet them and they were so um excited to see that you know these cattle would walk right up to you they weren't scared of you and um you know we told them why we choose to feed them a corn-fed diet and we talked about um a lot of the a lot of the practices we have on the farm and she had so many questions but it made me excited that she was excited to learn um and then at one point we were driving through a field and she pointed over at, at the corner and she said, she said, what is that, that cylinder? And I said, I'm sorry, what, what are you asking? And she said, that blue cylinder in the corner, what is that? And I said, that's a, that's a bell ring. It, it, but it, it caught me so off guard because I mean, there were at least three bell rings in our front yard at all times as a child. And so I had never, it literally never crossed my mind that somebody didn't know what a bell ring was. And so I think, but giving those people those opportunities to ask questions like that in an environment where they truly are comfortable and they know they're not going to be judged and they, they just want to learn and, um, you being the person that can give them that information and answer their questions and really put them at ease about, about, um, our industry, I think is a huge asset, a big responsibility and quite truly just an honor that we have as cattle producers. And so, um, I was really thankful for that opportunity and it's one that just made me excited for those people who want to learn and for the people that got to learn from her when she shared her story. I love that. My mom is whispering a story to me as you're talking, Macy, because I think that stuff like that is absolutely crucial. And I always say advocating to other people within the agriculture industry is not advocating. Me standing up there talking about how great the agriculture industry is to to us is, is not getting anything done. I was actually sort of a similar story. I was at a, a fancy gala in Dallas, had nothing to do with agriculture. And this, and, you know, I, I was the MC, so I'm like getting ready to walk up stage and this woman runs up to me and she grabs my arm and she said, I watched your story on animal rights. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to fight this lady at this gala. Like, is she going to, is she going to try to fight me? It, should I cry? Like, I don't know what to do. I, I had done a story just sort of really trying to explain what the real agenda behind, you know, PETA and HSUS is. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so bad. Like, what do I do? And she grabbed my arm and she was looking me in the eye and I said, oh, you did. Like, what do you say? And she goes, yes. 
And I just wanted to say thank you. And I thought, okay, like you're a supporter. This is great. Like you must be a beef person. And she said, I have been following the stories that you're doing. And she said, I started following people like Macy and Kaya because, you know, through me. She goes, I started following all these ag people. And she goes, I just think what you're doing is so incredible. And I love learning about ranchers. And she said, my kids, we sit at home and now we download documentaries off Netflix about like farming and ranching. And she grew up in L.A., Grew up on the, you know, on the coast, was born in Seattle, just loved the outdoors, whatever. And she said, I am just so excited to meet you in person. I love everything you're doing. Will you come to my flower shop? Will you talk more about cattle and, and, and the beef industry? And I was like, yes, of course. You know, this is really cool. And she said, oh, by the way, I've been a vegetarian my whole life. But I love the beef industry. And I thought, what? It was such an eye-opening moment, though, for me because so often we write off the vegetarians and the vegans and the whatever. And she looked at me and she said, Courtney, I completely support everything you guys are doing. But you know what she told me? She said, but I never, ever, ever tell people like you that I'm a vegetarian because then you write me off immediately and you won't talk to me. That, that's a really good point. I, uh, a few weeks ago, I was traveling down to Las Vegas for the National Potato Expo. And uh, I got upgraded, which when you travel a lot, that's a great luxury when you get upgraded. And I'm sit- sitting next to this gal, and we're in the bulkhead uh, up at the front of the of the plane. And, and she starts talking to me, and she goes, and she was just, because she, she was going to like a technology expo there. And then when I say I'm going to the potato expo, sorry, NCBA, I just got to talk about all my, all my uh, travels as an ag broadcaster here. But she just was like, potatoes? And like, so that, that opened up a whole conversation. But then... I noticed on the inside of her, of, uh, under her uh, wrist, she had a tattoo of a bunny. What was the PETA, the PETA logo, or whatever the PETA logo is. I don't look at it enough. I don't know. I don't know. I keep looking back at you, Brittany, for like approval about what I'm talking about here. My handler. Um, but uh, so, but so I saw that and I'm like, okay, I'm just, you know, and I always talk with people on the plane when they want to talk. Half the time I just want to sleep or try to sleep or just, just watch uh, Disney Plus on my phone. And so, she, of course, she brought up uh, alternative proteins and was asking my reaction and what I thought about it. And she was honestly stunned that I didn't come out just bashing it and saying, no, it's horrible. You can't eat that. And I'm like, well, it's there. It's a product. But this all ties back into having those conversations with people that you're uncomfortable with because I could have sat there and I wouldn't have, but I could have bashed the product. I could have said, no, people are stupid that eat that. I I wouldn't say that because that puts a black eye on our industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So recently in the last couple of years on our family's ranch on the Central Coast, um, we started doing agritourism. And so we started doing glamping, which is glamorous camping. Basically means there's a bathroom and a shower. And so we have these canvas wall tents and they're all decorated Southwestern style. And my sister-in-law, she's super talented. She has these steer skulls. We raise stalker cattle that we contract out for rodeos all over the West Coast. And um, she decorates these steer skulls in in these tents. And um, most of the people that come and stay at the ranch are from San Francisco and LA and a lot of them have this is our first experience on a ranch and it's been such a cool opportunity for us to like give people a taste of the wild west and let them come and and talk questions and I think the the most the highlight of their experience is always when they get to meet my grandpa because you know he is that typical old ranching cowboy with his hat he's got his little brand symbol on his hat and um, we've had a lot of people that come out there that are vegetarians or vegans and they just they want to know like they don't know 
the real story behind it. And um, to your point, you know, you can't just say like, oh, you guys are crazy or write them off because they're people too. And a lot of times they have perceptions that maybe are misguided too. And, and they are generally curious. And one of my cousins, she is in marketing and PR in LA for like celebrities and rappers and, you know, all these people. And she brings them out to the ranch all the time. Um, and they are just amazed. And what's super cool is it's it's been an opportunity for us to open up our gates uh, and not just share our ranching story, but really just to be an example for the whole industry. And you know, even my friends from college and getting them to come out. I remember my friend Jensel, she grew up in LA. Her parents are from Korea. And when she first came to the ranch, she's like, is that a real life tumbleweed? And she was just like <laughs> baffled. And um, I've actually lived with a vegan and a vegetarian. And I will say, by the time they moved out, they were meat eaters again. So I'm going to go ahead and take some pride in that. <laughs> so whenever you said that about being on the plane um, and how she was surprised you didn't come out bashing it, it made me think of something that Courtney had on her social media a couple um, weeks back um, asking about, was it agriculture misconceptions? And somebody responded that they were most scared of um, Christians, moms, and agriculturalists because they're always so aggressive with their beliefs and it's hard for us because it is something we're so passionate about and we know that it's fact and it's so important then that like you said we listen to them we understand their side and we share that story um again not that it's a wrong it's just alternative and so um like you said it's just that's really cool that you got that opportunity to be a positive voice of agriculture well, and i still promoted the product and the one ingredient that is beef, Absolutely. and it's beef, and I think that's the, the most important thing that we can do there, and that's why beef promotion is so important, too, um, to, to be able to reach so many millions of people on social media or, or other campaigns through uh, different different state and, and national uh, beef promotion activities as well. Um, I actually got kicked out of a vegan rally once. I was covering it for news. <laughs> And it was, it was since it was a pri it was a it was a panel on the documentary that Joaquin Phoenix uh, produced uh, Dominion, and uh, they held this anti slaughterhouse facility um, protest in Bozeman where I lived, and they had a panel, and no one was invited, no one from the agriculture community was invited to be on the panel, so the agriculture community came together they kind of protested it, and they went to the like the two and a half hour however it was way too long well when they had the uh the, the q a everyone was allowed to write questions they weren't allowed to ask them so they funneled out all the ranchers questions i had my camera set up and they, they escorted me out of the theater and it's all these little old ladies that volunteer at the theater and they they're my golden girls i call them because so, they they're the ones that tune into the ag report at noon every day and, and watch me and they're like we're so sorry lane i'm like well you haven't made it as an egg broadcaster <laughs> Until you get kicked out of a vegan it. rally. Um, uh, but <laughs> you bring up a point where it's always, uh, can you come to a social media workshop? I get asked to do that a lot at agriculture meetings. And I'm just like, no, it, my, okay, I, I, I won't share my full opinion on that. I, <laughs> I want your opinion. Is it worth it for people's time and energy? Does everyone have to have a social media presence to advocate for agriculture? No. I would say absolutely not because I think about some of the greatest advocates for our industry, our grandpas, the, the, those older generations, he calls it the book of faces and we're like, <laughs> Pappy, it's Facebook, you know, on that book, what have you been doing on that book of faces lately? And we're like, Oh Lord, my grandpa calls it the magic box. <laughs> my grandpa, it. I don't think has ever heard of it. Would not know what to do with it if he saw it. Don't ask him what Tinder is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, happy on Tinder. Oh God, help us. But uh, you know, 
Yeah, we, we because again, this goes back to what I said earlier. We need our grandpas. We need those old school ranchers who will, I mean, my grandpa will die on the back of a horse. He's 80 years old. He's still riding, you know, colts if we're not paying attention. He's still doing things that we're like, oh, well, that's because he loves it so much. And we can't write people like that off just because, you know, that they, they don't have social media. It can be, I tell people all the time when I'm doing my speaking it can be as simple as if you're in the grocery store and you see a mom standing there with her kids sort of wide-eyed at the meat counter, like, looking like, what do I do? Step in and just say, hey, you know, this this is one of my favorites. I, li- I really like the grass-fed or I really like the CAB. Not to be pushy. You don't want to be pushy and, like, get in people's faces about it. But it can be so simple as, as something like that. Or, Macy, I love that. Bring people out to the ranch, to the farm. We don't live on a huge operation either, but something as simple as seeing a cow in real life or a goat, even barn cats. People are like, oh, look at the cat. We're like, what? These are, we, do you want or 10 of horses. them? <laughs> we need some little Sebastians in our life. <laughs> just stuff like that. You know, people are just truly fascinated. And something that really, really stuck out to me one time I was speaking somewhere and, you know, I grew up in the, in the show cattle world, like, you know, big time show heifers, Angus industry, whatever. And, you know, you guys can probably relate. County fairs, everything. You got 10 guys fitting a heifer. Everybody's tense. It's a big deal. You're walking to the show ring and somebody comes up and asks if they can pet your cow. Well, the first thing we do is, you know, immediately 10 fitters like, get back, get back, you know, get back. Well, somebody said to me, Courtney, that might be the only opportunity in that person's lifetime ever see a cow in real life and to ever interact with a farmer or rancher and by acting like that we have completely pushed them away said we don't want you we don't want you to know our story we don't care about your story and it just like was like a knife to my heart because I was like oh gosh we've been those people so many times something as simple as that let them come up and pet your cow at the county fair and if it's a steer don't correct them say come on up pet my cow I think, I think too, you know, you got to kind of play to your strengths. Like, for example, my fiance, he hates social media, like not his thing. He doesn't like being on it. He doesn't like me posting pictures of him. I just do it behind his back. It's fine. Um, I love it. I love that I have this opportunity to share, you know, on this platform with people from all over the country, all over the world. And I love writing. I love photography. So that's my jam. Now, my fiance, he is really good and well-spoken when it comes to policy. And that is his strength. It's not my strength. And it takes all kinds of kinds when it comes to advocacy, too. And if you're really good at going to legislative meetings as a volunteer with your county cattlemen's association, if you want to get involved with your local beef council and be a volunteer at a consumer event and do something in person, that's great. There are so many different ways to be an advocate for our beef industry. If social media is not your thing, don't force it. Because if you're forcing it, it's probably not going to come off great anyways. So play to your strengths. Um, advocate in a way that feels comfortable to you, that you feel confident sharing your story. Um, as I mentioned, a big advocate for social media. Um, like I said, I was raised with it. It's a big thing for our generation. And did you have a MySpace, though? Absolutely not. No. I did. I did. I logged in like a year ago to delete it because I'm like, I know I still have a profile. So, yeah. Throwback. <laughs> Sorry, wow. I had to ask if you had a MySpace. That's embarrassing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Y'all are old. That's what Macy's thinking. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I just I admitted that. I do have a that. Hotmail email account still that I like send all my junk emails oh, no. to. Oh, I have a, yeah. Yeah, I don't use it. I'm AOL. Anybody? So, <laughs> yeah, AOL. That's right. But, um, no, I mean, social media is such a good tool for reaching the masses. But the important thing is that we're reaching the individuals. And so uh, I think it's 
I, I think it's so important that we do realize that every person does matter and they have that story to tell. And I think the audience that they reach is also kind of an interesting um, aspect of this storytelling because, for example, my sister, she's 16 years old. She's a, a junior in high school. We uh, She goes to school in the outskirts of Jefferson City, which is our capital. It's pretty small, relatively rural, but some of those kids that she goes to school with have never been on a farm. Um, you know, they might drive past cattle on the way to school, but they have no idea that, um, you know, that that's where their food comes from. And so she gets that really cool opportunity to tell them, hey, you know what, I could actually show you exactly where your food comes from if you want. And that's really scary because, again, that's our livelihood. You know, what if they got to the farm and, and they they disagreed with what we did or, um, you know, they they were scared by anything that happened there. Now, granted, we're not ashamed of anything. We do everything um, BQA certified um, and all that. But um, it's, it's really cool that she has that opportunity. Now, my grandpa, like I said, would not know what a Facebook was if he had the opportunity to encounter it. But um, he he goes to a church filled with people about his age, and he's got the opportunity to talk to those people about um, what he does on his ranch. And, um, you know, my brother is um, 20 years old, and he hangs out with a completely different crowd than my sister and I. And so he gets to talk to those people. My mom, she's a single mom. She grocery shops at all the same places that, as the moms in, in our area. Um, she has some Airbnbs, and she gets to connect with all of the people that come in from all over the country and talk to them about um, agriculture and the beef in, in our industry. So no matter what age, gender, where you come from, your background, your state, whatever it is, every single person has a place in the agriculture story. And so sharing that is so, so important, social media or not. Can you tell we're passionate about this? <laughs> Just a little bit. Have you ever had three people who talked more in your life on this podcast? No. <laughs> she goes, no way. I mean, no. Bill Rischel has a great, I mean, we, Bill and I could have talked a long time on one of those first podcasts we did. But actually, uh, knowing more about all of all three of you, where can our listeners find more about your operations, your social media pages, and if they have any questions or, or just want to reach out to you? Uh, so this is Courtney. Um, a majority of my storytelling is on Facebook. I, I sort of find that that's the best platform for me. Most of my followers are there. It's just Courtney Dehoff TV. And you can message me there. I have a website, CourtneyDehoff.com. It is the French spelling because my mother thought that was cute. Courtney. C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y, but, you know, just call Lane. He'll let you know. So that's where most of my stuff is. Courtney Hoff on Instagram. Um, Macy here. I am Macy Hurst, M-A-C-E-Y-H-U-R-S-T. And um, Instagram and Facebook are my two big platforms. I have a, a burning hate for Twitter, but it's also important. So if you want to follow me there, that's cool, too, but there's nothing on it. Um, Instagram, Facebook is great. Um, and then Lady Livestock Company also is, is um, my business page. And so you'll get to see lots of cute calf pictures. Um, and then uh, my mom and my sister and I run that, like I mentioned. So I would absolutely love to answer any questions or hear from anybody if you have social media questions. Obviously, I like social media. So, um, yeah. Kaya here. My favorite is Instagram and on my personal, it is Kaya underscore Tosman. Those are two weird names. K-I-A-H underscore T-W-I-S-S-E-L-M-A-N. Um, I'm also on Facebook um, also as Coach Kaya. That's my life coaching page. I also talk about beef on there. Um, if you're interested in checking out the ranch, it's Tosman Ranch on Facebook and Instagram or our glamping. If you want to come glamping in California, um, pro tip, best time to come is spring. Wildflower season is the best. I'm biased. But uh, it's Temple Around Pack Train on Instagram and Facebook. 
Well, I think uh, down the road we need to have another podcast, but your moms have to be involved. Oh my gosh, yes. you thought we talked a lot. Oh Good gosh, you just wait. You'll never get the you three of them slowed down. I mean, they were talking the whole time back there. I could see them. I think They're the next time they're actually producing their own podcast. I think, right I think now. next year we, we we regroup. We have all the moms involved there. We have some. We just have a brunch. We'll have a brunch. <laughs> it will be yes. a six-hour podcast. I live in Bozeman, Montana, and that's like the the thing you do is brunch because Bozeman is now the Los Angeles of the West. So. Um, but uh, again, I've had I've had a great time l- sitting here and listening because honestly, I I enjoyed being an, an observer here. And like I said earlier, everyone needs to step up. Doesn't ma- matter if you're you're a man or a woman. Well, we all need to step up to advocate for our industry. And I think the our friends listening to this podcast are going to walk away uh, feeling just so empowered to be an advocate for the industry. Any last words that you want to share here before we wrap up today's show? Just thank you so much for the opportunity. This has been so much fun, and I'm looking forward to connecting with everybody again next year. Come back. Come to NCBA next year, y'all. Yeah, um, thank you, Lane, NCBA, Cattleman's Call, for not only the opportunity to speak to your all's audience, but also just for everything you do for cattle producers all across the country. Um, I'm so honored to be a part of this organization and so thankful for all that you all do for us. Yeah, this has just been such a cool experience. This has been my first NCBA convention, and I'm just so thankful. And I sort of, the biggest thing I've taken away is Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Purdue. He said it in front of, you know, several thousand of us. He said, we have the best and most wholesome food supply in the world. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We've got to get out from behind the farm gate and tell our story. Well, ladies, thank you all for for all of your hard work, uh, for telling your story, and uh, for for helping uh, drive the future of the industry forward. Thank you. All right, friends, thank you so much for also joining in and answering the Cattleman's Call. I'm Lane Nordland. Make sure and send uh, your suggestions for future shows, or if you just want to share a comment, make sure and visit us online at ncba.org and click on the Cattleman's Call podcast. And make sure and subscribe, hey, and share this podcast on social media as well and tell your friends about it. And uh, we'll be back with more conversations from uh, the countryside and from events like here at the Cattle Industry Convention. That'll do it for today. I'm Lane Nordland. Catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.